it's been fairly gloomy here in Austin. Mm. But I'd rather d- deal with gloomy and, and slightly warm than snow. Yeah. I like snow, though. I'm just I like so the idea hot of snow. <laughs> <in the train. laughs> yeah, I like the idea of snow, but the, execu- the execution of snow, it could be reworked. <laughs> I do love the icons in the weather app. There's one that for wind, it just it looks like spaghetti. So I always just say it's going to be spaghetti tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> There's just noodles on my weather app. I would like a weather app better if it told me what to eat that day. Oh, like today's going to be like an Indian food day because it's going to be gloomy. Right. Ooh, I like that. We used to make an app called Umbrella Today, which mm. is kind of like this, except more useful. Okay. But like, I just want to open How could up you be the more app useful? and it, it says... <laughs> <laughs> you should go eat pizza or you should go eat a salad or yeah i like that <laughs> do you remember do you remember when yahoo weather came out with their weather app and it just completely blew everyone's mind because they had they had the image of the, the city that you're in and you sc- keep scrolling and it has the little windmill for the wind speed and it has all the icons. It was very different from the other weather apps. And now I can't remember what they were like before before Yahoo Weather. Yeah, I don't I don't remember that. Oh my god, I remember. Like it was I yesterday. I try not to pay too much attention to weather apps. I think that's like one of the things that designers love to redesign. Like us wanting to add food, just add food to it. We right. should just add food to every app. <laughs> Design nerds. <laughs> it's very true. I mentioned this before in a different podcast, but that daily UI challenge that you can sign up for and every day it'll send you an element to, to, you know, to design, whether it's a login form or a weather app. And I I mean, I haven't done any of them yet. I mean, I have maybe a hundred so far, like in my inbox, but when I'm faced with design a calculator, for example I'm like how oh man like how do you add food is there like a button where you just press it and then you get food <laughs> is that how it can mm. read is mm. you could make like a a burrito calculator <laughs> or a sal- salad calculator like you punch in the ingredients that you want oh it's my like, god i want rice and beans and chicken times two and times two <laughs> This is pretty much, I like it. Yeah. It's kind of like the microwave. They have like a button that just has a picture of popcorn on it. So just <laughs> and, and like a, and like a chicken bone. <laughs> Speaking of microwaves, my parents just redid their kitchen and they have all these new appliances. And it's been really funny to, to watch like my mom talk through like how to use like the dishwasher because the design on it is kind of funny. They just use the names of the cycles that they made up the names for. It's not entirely quick, clear what quick like quick wash does, you know. It's not entirely clear what any of these buttons do. At one point, I touched the refrigerator in a way where all these icons lit up and they wouldn't go away. And then my mom was convinced that you I broke, broke it. it. And it's like, well, it didn't do that before you touched it. And it's like, this is bizarre design. Why'd you touch the refrigerator? God, for, I just wanted crushed ice. Sorry, I didn't know it was a whole thing. But uh, 
turns out I turned the child lock on, which is hilarious. <laughs> oh man, I should totally check into that if my refrigerator has one of those. <laughs> child lock. It seems like something that no one should have. I think if a child is tall enough to touch those buttons, they're definitely not a child, first of all. It was like very high up on the refrigerator. And the only thing I did was I touched it a little bit longer than you should have. And then everything locked and all the icons showed up. It was like very weird. You'd be surprised at how tall like a four-year-old can reach and not know what they're doing. That's so true. That's so true. I don't know. So my four-year-old will open up the fridge even though like the... So we have like French door fridge. So the refrigerators open up. Mm. I'm, I'm using my arms as if everyone can see me right now. And, and the, the freezer is on the bottom. Oh. So like they can both the four-year-old and our two-year-old can open up the freezer at least a little bit. Like yeah. the two-year-old will struggle to open it up. Yeah. Four-year-old definitely pulls it open. And he'll also pull open the French doors but he can't like actually see anything below the absolute bottom of the fridge. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what What are you opening that for? Oh, like, it's what are you looking so for? Cute. Now people are going to think that I'm starving my children because they're like actively. <laughs> Please, can I have some more? <laughs> we should do a round of user interviews with children and just ask what their motivation is for opening that a hundred times. I just want to understand why you find the need to open this cabinet every two seconds. (laughs) What's the need? What's the want here? (laughs) You could capture my son's attention for long enough to get a reasonable response. I would be very shocked. Oh, my God. Imagine if that if that's how it was like interviewing like adults like any anyone like how hard that would be like we'd like make plans around how okay we only have we only have one minute of their attention span so we got to make this got to go in and out make it make it quick yeah maybe that will be the case in a few I years mean, I've, now. I've definitely had interviews where it's been like painful to draw information out of people right like, yeah they give one word answers and they're just like not open and i've had also the opposite where they're they just like go on and on and talk too much mm-hmm. and like i have to like butt in to like get them back on topic yeah and that's probably like those two ends of the spectrum are what it would be like to talk to my son about <laughs> a user interview about our fridge or your refrigerator <laughs> I feel like the not talking is easier than the going way off topic and trying to like wrangle (laughs) wrangle them back in. Yeah. I mean, that has definitely happened. I mean, I just I had one moment where I had to talk to to a user in like a tiny booth because that's where they were stationed. And there was like four of us in this tiny booth and it was really hot in there. And we were just being talked into like the corner because there was just so many people in this tiny booth. It was so funny. And she actually went off way off topic about how in general, like, you know, hey, we should be talking to management and we should fire management pretty much like stuff like that. And we're like, oh, that's not really what we're here for, but we appreciate the honesty. Let's talk more about the work that you do and what makes you do. Because the perfect segue, I let her rant for like 10 minutes. You know, it's like, that's bound to happen. If people don't necessarily know why you're talking to them, 
No one gave her the heads up, which was problematic because, you know, she didn't know why these people were talking to her out of nowhere at her job, about her job and about things that she does at her job. So it just kind of let her rant for 15 minutes about how she's, you know, kind of unhappy and there's like problems that need to be fixed that, you know, and after she's like, I do a good job. I do a good job here and it should be recognized. And I was like, let's talk more about the good job you do. (laughs) And it just kind of segued into into like what she actually does on a daily basis. And then it just like talked her down and it became clear that I'm just a lowly software designer and I cannot, I don't have any control over the bureaucracy that you that you work in. Did she know you were recording all of that? And probably her I was not recording. Was right, oh, I didn't even okay. bring it up. <laughs> we always ask before, mm-hmm. hey, is it okay to record this? You're gonna be kept anonymous. It's just for our team internally, you know, to bounce ideas around. But I didn't even go into that. I'm like, we're not gonna record this. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> So the only thing we had was just the story, and that's, you know, it's been fun to retell. But she actually turned out to be my favorite person to interview, and I'm like, I love going back and talking to her, because she keeps it real, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, sometimes those interviews can, if you can wrangle them in the right direction, Yeah, those are the best interviews, Yeah, but sometimes... It's like depends on the amount of wrangling that you have to do. Like I had a recent interview where it's like they'd go and start off with some really good information and they they'd hit a point where they just go off on a tangent and mm. I'd have to like bring them back and then they'd give like a good chunk of information and they'd go off on this tangent and I'd be like, "Oh, what about this other thing?" and like just bring them back. Mm-hmm. It was this constant redialing in which is just for me that's like uh, just stay on topic. Mm. Just tell me the stuff that I want to know. Right. But I guess it's just our job to, to keep them on topic. You right. know, because well, how often do they get? I don't want to do my job. <laughs> you should preface that. I'm going to record this because I'm lazy. I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> I say that in a nicer way. You're right. I say I'm going to record this because I don't want to have to take notes. But really, I'm lazy. Really, I don't yeah. Really, I'm figuring out what I want to order on the way home for dinner. <laughs> and if I want to do the special poke bowl or if I want to like go with my usual. No, because my weather app has already decided that for me. <laughs> I do eat because of the, like, due to the weather. That is so true. I'm not grabbing a soup in the summer. Unless it's gazpacho. Then, hey, let's let's do it. I'm a weirdo. I don't ever like soup. Like, even in the winter, I don't want soup. Just don't give me soup. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty, that's I'm pretty solid stance here. It is, which is, is, it's hard in my family because my wife is very pro-soup. <laughs> uh-huh. So we have this argument over and over. Oh, man, the soup spot. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Have you had a bad experience with soup? No, I don't know. I just don't like drinking my food. Oh, that's interesting. How do you feel about smoothies? I like smoothies because I think of them as a drink. Mm, Maybe this is the problem. Because it's you're not drinking all of it. Oh my goodness! But soup, like if you give me like a tomato soup or Mm, like sounds good. I don't know. This is the problem. You have to rebrand soup as a, as, as a drink. <laughs> as an edible as a drink. As a hot <laughs> meal drink. I thought you were going the other direction of like making soup. 
like crunchy or something like <laughs> oh that's what that works a little, a little if a little crunch will do it then add the crunch <laughs> add salad into your soup why separate it it's all it's all going to the same place anyway yeah. that's what i always say on the weather app that's like the tagline so you said you're running around where are you running around to oh i had one of those days of context context switching you know, extraordinaire. I mean, the Olympics are happening right now. It's like, it was like an Olympic day, but for <laughs> being inside <laughs> in an office and not outside in the Alps. That's interesting. So like, how do you, how do you context switch in those days? Like I have those days too. And, and going from one meeting that's about sales to another mm-hmm. meeting that's about managing a team or doing one-on-ones to another meeting that's yeah. about something entirely different. Like, do you have, how do you do that? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I, I'm kind of learning that I have little rituals after every meeting where either I'll fill up my water, I'll grab like a piece of chocolate, just like a little palate cleanser and before just to get a little energy before the next one. But a lot of it is just kind of just go, 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 not really thinking. The more, if I think about it too much, then it becomes harder. It's kind of like, just kind of do it sometimes like it's funny I feel like the more busy I am the better I am sometimes because I don't have the time to overthink or you know wonder about this this three sentence email I've been crafting like I don't spend the time I don't have the time because I'm not I have to be somewhere (laughs) in like one minute so I've just been in general I think it's actually been pretty good for me in terms of boosting confidence just being so busy where you don't have time to be self-conscious. <laughs> so one of the, the issues that I usually run into is like the beginning of a new meeting. I'm still thinking about oh, the last meeting. Yeah. I like your idea of like like these, like <laughs> I like how our, our this podcast is revolving around food, food. but like having, <laughs> having a piece of chocolate or like whatever that is to be like just mentally yeah. like get over the last thing, move on. And go to the next meeting. Yeah, like a little little energy thing. Like I grabbed a, a granola bar before this podcast, but it's so noisy and there's no way in hell I'm eating it right now. But it's there. I know I, it's here. I think people would love to hear you <laughs> eat. Do you have any other tricks hmm. for me? So one of the things that I do... Mm-hmm. I like how I ask you a question and then just answer it for you. Because you have an answer. I love that. I love that approach. It's like, what do you um, feel? How do you feel about winter time in, you know, New Hampshire? It's like, what? Well, I have something to say about that. <laughs> Let me go first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the snow. Forget it. Anyway, what are your tricks, Kyle? Do you have any tricks? <laughs> <laughs> The thing that I started doing a while ago is bringing a physical notebook and a pen with me mm-hmm. and just writing things down. And that helps th- me get things out of my brain and onto a piece of paper. It also usually helps me not inter- – like I have this issue. People probably notice it on this podcast. Like when I get excited about something and when I want to say it, I just interrupt people and, and go. People, me. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, writing it down instead of interrupting people mm-hmm. is, is usually a lot more helpful. And that way I can wait until they're done speaking. That's <laughs> so helpful. And not be a jerk and be like, oh, I'm really excited about this thing. 
because of this one thing that you said. Yeah. I don't do that during this podcast. So Yeah, I don't have I, a pen. I, don't... <laughs> <laughs> I have no way to do that. Can't control that impulse. That's a great way, especially if you're context switching a lot to be able because you are in this mindset of like go go next hour do something else next hour do something else so that will naturally make you want to say your thing right away before you forget it so it's that's a really great way just just jot down your questions and sometimes in time they just get answered naturally by the conversation that's that's such a good that's such a good way of, of doing that you mentioned getting excited and just saying the thing and i was thinking about yesterday when you sent me a link to Dropbox paper and I couldn't comment on it, but I like was so excited by the th- all the things you wrote. And I just started relaying comments to you in Slack. Oh, what a no, no, I'm so sorry. I wanted to, just, I wanted to publicly apologize for how annoying that was. Um. It wasn't annoying, <laughs> I, I love the enthusiasm. It's just hard to like. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. I'm like it's on like the train, when, really when, hot. When... <laughs> When a client's like, yeah, I love that thing, yes. but change yes. this thing. And you're like, you're like I All have right. no idea what those two things are that yeah. you're talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's Absolutely. sit down together. And... Absolutely. Oh, my God. It's so funny. <laughs> uh... The other thing that, that writing it down helps with is is when I have those back-to-back meetings, usually like sales calls or interviews with people, we, we try to take document that at, here. Mm-hmm. And so when I have a sales call, I'm writing down those notes. And at the end of the day, I reserve a time to like essentially clean out my notes and put them into a place where everyone can see them. Wow. But I found that like both with sales calls, hiring and, and one-on-ones and, and with all the meetings that I, I need to be doing, mm-hmm. I, I can write and talk and think at the same time. But I cannot type and mm. talk at the same time. So, like, I know there's Britt, our, our development director here, is, like, the opposite. Like, he loves typing out his notes while we talk. And I'm sure that's probably more streamlined because he doesn't have to do this mm-hmm. process of, like, synthesizing his notes at the end of the day and, and putting them into, you know, the right place because he's just typing them and going. So he's skipping totally. over that step. But I am not at that point. Yeah, I hate that step. I hate going through my notes and like they're all half sentences and then I have to do extra work to making them full sentences and then there's a time when like because usually oh my goodness I just had a flashback of just <laughs> of these notes I, I took there was like a it was a series of user interviews and I was writing in the margins and there was just like crap everywhere and like all these little points and it was like very eccentric looking because it was very quick and it was, I was, there was nowhere to, we're like in a store, you know, there was no place to lean on. So it was like very fast and you can't type. So I remember having those notes and just looking and just putting my head down and walking back to my desk later on. There's like five pages of just scribble. I remember I, I tried dictating. <laughs> I tried anything to avoid. I, I tried dictating them, and that was fun. You know how well those work. You just sound so... It sounds like you're trying to learn. It's like a Rosetta Stone for English. Like, you're really enunciating everything and trying to get it right, you know? And it's still... The, the <laughs> dictation is off. Oh, my God. I've never thought about doing that just because most dictation software is just terrible. I've never tried the, like... Dragon Dictate, which is supposed to be the oh, best one, but whoa. like Siri, or even we have an Alexa at home, isn't 
terrific. <laughs> oh, I, I find that if you are in a quiet spot and you slow it down and like work with it and watch it as it thinks and like pause, like it actually works. But you have to be in the mindset that like, okay, I'm going to talk like the slowest person in the world for the next like half an hour. I mean, it's just hard to, to type and look at your notes at the same time. It's just like a nightmare. But I've gotten into the habit of when you're doing a pair interview with you and someone else, and let's say they, they wrote the notes and you feel, you facilitated, like part of that is sitting with them and, you know, I've had them read to me their notes and I just type, type it for them and like vice versa. That's cool. It's like human dictation. Yeah, it's great. Because it's just like you're also going through the findings together and you're also solidarity. Like you're not going to go off now to your desk and just be in this hell for like an hour trying to dis- discern like all these little half sentences and weird scribbles that you wrote. Like we'll do it together, you know, and it's just so much faster that way. Yeah, I've definitely done well. I've relied on other people to upload their notes when when I've been leading a meeting. Mm-hmm. And that's so much nicer. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> we're, we're talking about like short, probably like 30 to 60 minute meetings. But that's especially important during design sprints is having someone, if the design sprint is bigger than like three people, having someone dedicated to recording what's going on yeah. as opposed to having the facilitator do that. Really? So that's, that's yeah. what it made me think of is like, telling someone else in the design sprint being like it's your job to take the notes you better do a good job <laughs> i'll be watching you sometimes we don't even have facilitators i mean we do but not in the sense of there's someone who's external not really necessarily super invested and they're gonna just you know not be involved in the ideation but just kind of help you get there we kind of do all that in once at once you know which has its benefits, but also it makes it difficult sometimes if you're mm-hmm. managing a lot of different things at once and like reading the room and then also recording and also facilitating and being the, li- the, the liaison between your team and their team. And it's a, it's a really, it's like a lot of hats to wear at once. Yeah. In the last few design sprints, I haven't been the primary designer, so it's freed me up to focus on facilitation. Mm. And I think that has had a very positive effect. So when we do go into a lot of our design sprints, we try to put two designers on the project, right? Yeah. And so having the wherewithal between those two people of being like, this person, it's this person's job to facilitate and it's this person's job to participate. It's been nice because we've gone in knowing that like I'm only going to be available for the first couple weeks of the project or, or the first week or two or or at a very like half pace of our normal work week and so my involvement isn't nearly as important and so I, I can take a step back and focus on making sure that I'm doing a good job facilitating yeah I, I'm actually leading one next week actually we'll be in a sprint for three weeks <laughs> two different ones yikes um, yeah that's just the way it is yeah so it should be interesting but I found in time, too, being that I'm so busy, I've had less time to worry about sprints and just do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's all like, it's just easier to just kind of keep going, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, it should be interesting, like trying to maybe beforehand saying like, you know, let's like take some notes and 
be able to update because we have a Trello board that is a template for design sprint. So it's like every column is the day. A a column represents a day of the sprint. And in that column are cards of activities you can do during that day. (laughs) So a good diligent note taker, which I've never done this, would update each card with the the learnings and the findings from that activity, which is such an amazing resource to have. But I find those days are so fast and there's so much going on that it's it's really, it's hard to take a step back and take notes and then record those notes into a card. I try to do that. That's yeah. how I've used that, that Trello board. Yeah. But I know that if I'm the one doing that, that I'm going to be spending the evenings doing that after the end of every day. And so that's why I, during the design sprint, try to find someone that's potentially like even the client just to be like, hey, while we're doing these things, I want you to take a photo of it and just quickly upload it to Trello. And if you do it as you go, it's usually not as painful Mm. of a thing. And just having someone who's just like cognizant of like, okay, we've moved on from the critical path. Let's take a photo of it. Like I'm going to get up, take a photo of it. And put it directly into Trello. Nice. And that way we do have this like artifact as we move on from the design sprint, whether it be positive, like we validated the prototype or invalidated, like we have everything. There's an extent at which like it's not very useful. Like I don't have them take photos of individual like my maps or crazy eights because usually those are like, they're only recognizable by the person who did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not as useful to, to kind of document that. But definitely the storyboards, any kind of understand stuff that we have on that first day, it's like just have the Trello app on your phone mm-hmm. and just take a picture of it. Like we don't have to be writing these thorough notes, but just that extent, photograph, add it to the card, and let's move on. Yeah, that's been really helpful that's what we do is take photos and attach them to the cards and stuff we so we so rarely use that board after the sprint though every now and then we'll come back to it but it's funny it really is just it is good for context for other people in there sometimes it's it's good if they have other people who are watching on the outside like part of their company who can't be part of the sprint but they want to know the progress of it and what came from it and how you got to where you got I've also had clients who we've made blogs, tracking project progress, which has been, there's one project I was on a long time ago that that was actually very well received in their company. Because there are a lot of people who want to be involved in the process, but again, they couldn't be working in the office, couldn't be on the project, they just wanted to check in. So we would, with blogging about a project's progress, we learned that It's really hard if you treat those blog posts as like precious things. We talked about this a lot a couple episodes ago. It's just a matter of if you push something, if you merge a PR that does this new feature, like just say that. If you're like, oh, woo, we got commenting in, you know, like a couple lines, like a silly gif, and then you post it and that's it. (laughs) Instead of, you know, we've sometimes we spent too long drafting the first post about the design sprint and the findings. Like that's very important too. But if you don't do it in the moment, oh, my God, if you're trying to write a post retroactively about the first week of a project, (laughs) that's where a blog failed miserably was when we just didn't prioritize blog posts about the project's progress on a weekly basis. 
And then it was, we ended up not being, doing anything. Because <laughs> writing a post would mean we have to write a post about three weeks ago or four weeks ago. And it was really hard to get back in that mindset. I can easily imagine that like if someone was in, it sounds like the whole group was kind of in charge of that. But if someone at the beginning of the sprint, you said, okay, it's this person instead of doing prototyping or whatever it is, like they're going to be writing a blog post Ooh. And, it, and we're dedicating that time for them. Mm-hmm. Like it would get done as opposed to this is a really like I, I love the idea of like writing a blog post at the end of every week of a project. But if no one's in charge of it, yeah, or, like it, it'll end up being what you said, which is like, well, I have all these other priorities and this blog post is not a priority. Like I'm, I'm just not going to do it. So it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting, like potentially tying the I call it the recorder role into like, OK, your role is to record during the design sprint. But also at the end of the design sprint, we want you to be writing up this nice blog post type thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And, you know, I, I think it's really odd how sometimes those project requirements of being visible, let's say having this project be visible to other members of the company. So a lot of those things don't come up in the beginning of a project and they kind of come up way later on when it's too late <laughs> in a way too late in terms of oh you want us to oh crap okay well an answer to more visibility about project would be to write you know emails or posts about it but we're six weeks in and so we should write one about week one like ah okay let's prioritize that but then we're, we're in the middle of a build and who's going to write that and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's interesting, you know, at the very, very beginning of a project, just having a quick chat about visibility and how to work that into the project. Because it is work that has to be done. It's not going to get done automatically. There's no app for that. Maybe there should be. <laughs> we have, I'm on a project right now where it was very explicit that it was like there's many facets of the project. And one of them was educating the rest of the company about the work that we're doing and how it's working out. Like the project itself was an experiment. We had like a three month time frame to do something. So that was a new way of working for this client. Usually it's a little bit longer. Usually there's not necessarily like a deadline like that. Usually it's a little more amorphous. So just putting a three month deadline was a thing they wanted to measure the progress of. So we talked a lot as a team about how to share that and who'd be writing it. And yeah, ownership is huge for that. It's not a question of, all right, who wants to do it? But it is a question of, you know, okay, well, good, you want to do it. Like, how do you feel about owning this? What does this look like? We can share it. You know, what do you like to write about, et cetera. But I, I don't know, I found that sharing that progress is really helpful for getting further buy-in too of the project. Right. I think as a company we've always tried to avoid that kind of documentation mm-hmm. just because things change so quickly. Yeah. And it's interesting how that kind of thinking permeates through a lot of the other things. Like we're very terrible as a whole team to documenting like at the end of a project, what we, what we did, how we accomplished it and writing mm-hmm. up case studies. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, like the same mentality that we bring to a design sprint, which is like, the documentation isn't as important because everyone who needs to have like some sort of influence over the project should be in this room. And if they're not, they're giving up the right to have that influence. And so it's interesting, like even just comparing the two projects that we're on, like I'm on a really short tight budget project and it's only 
they're they're four people on the project Mm -hmm. and that's the entire team like there's no one else that needs to know so like we don't have to do nearly as much communication and documentation because it's four people whereas you're working in a bigger company and even the the small projects that you're working on have these teams that have the direct influence, but they need to continue to get buy-in from the larger company or or the larger company needs to understand what's going on. So Mm -hmm. finding the right level of communication and documentation for the team that's not working directly on the project is really important. Yeah. We've been sending out emails too, like weekly emails of things we've learned this week. Bullet points, quick, and it's every week, so it's nothing. It's nothing crazy. You're not having a buildup of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Then we learn that no one reads emails. Yay! <laughs> the the interesting thing though about that is like even if they don't read the emails, it's there. I assume that you've you've saved them and you can be at yeah. uh, at the end of the project, be like. You know, we've sent you all of these emails here. You can go read them again because we know you read them the first time we sent them to you. Yeah. I like the idea of taking a break and documenting. And it also probably makes you reflect more on the work that you've done as opposed to just like continuing to plow forward. Definitely. I'm learning more and more that the story you can tell is at sometimes it's equally important as the thing you're building. Like if you can explain how you got from point A to point B, that story is so powerful for you to own and and tweak and be able to share it's a way to inspire others and keep getting it jumps a into check. like yeah sorry no it gets into you, like you another like topic yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally proving my point you know designers do sales and marketing mm-hmm. even though we don't call it that yeah and it's really interesting how adverse some people are to saying like oh i'm going to market my design or sell my design when really like that's what you're doing. You're, you're marketing. You're telling a story. That's marketing. That's Making true. sure that you're getting buy-in. That's sales. Yeah. And so, like, there's a lot of our process that we don't call it what it really is, which is marketing and sales. <laughs> yeah, sales is a really loaded word. I mean, it encompasses so many things. And I think if we rebranded sales, Kyle, I think we'd have more buy-in. Period. That's all I have. That's all I have. That's, that's the I wonder sentence. how much of that is like cultural, like you're never going to be able to rebrand sales because it's <laughs> cultural sentiment. Mm. It's like when people think of salespeople, they think of like the slimy, like used car salesman that's like trying to sell you a car you don't really want. So that's what you think then. I think of a soap that's salesman. <laughs> a soap salesman? <laughs> <laughs> Someone sells soap? Think of someone coming to your door and trying to sell you something that you definitely don't. I mean, I have a lot of soap. Why is this special? But I, yes, car salesman for sure. I think like door-to-door salesman is in the same vein of like trying to sell you something that you don't really need or want. And you're trying to like get more money out of you than it's really worth Mm. kind of thing. Yeah, it's like a negative, it's a very negative connotation of sales. And I think like when we talk about sales in terms of design and development and software, it's like it's selling the positive, like the, the process and selling a way of doing something that you want to do. It's just a very loaded word. 
Uh, yeah, I think the big difference to me is like I'm assuming that those people know that they're selling something that isn't worth mm-hmm. what they're selling it for, mm. and what we're selling we believe is yeah. the right process, or we believe that it's the right way to do things, or we believe that it's the right design because of the interviews that we've had, or the way that we've tested it, or just our experience. Like we believe that the thing that we're doing is the right thing, and I don't think. I hope that we're never in a place where we're trying to sell something that we don't believe is the right solution. Mm-hmm. Amen. <sighs> I'm all Show about... notes are at tentative. <laughs> Done. Ship it. Done. Anything else for the, um, the URLs? The Earls? The Earls. Uh, rate Twitter. us on iTunes. Yeah. Tell us how we're doing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you contact Switch. And what are your tips and tricks for going from one meeting to another? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, then maybe we'll you know, we'll we'll read it. We'll we'll read some stuff because we're like we're hatching a, an idea. So mm-hmm. you have to be very it's very delicate right now. So you have to be very quiet. So if you tell us your tips and tricks and how you context which, we will read them next time. Oh, that reminds me. I need a shout out for the person that called me special. Oh, yeah. Go for it. What are you looking at, by the way? I'm trying to find okay. the person <laughs> so that said I was special. Ugh, we'll have to put that person in the show notes. <laughs> They're my friend. Everyone, I can't. You're, we're such good friends that we're going to put you in, in the show note. <laughs> no, that's funny. I like it. Okay, I think we should just call it. Yeah, this has been this has been great. I had a lot of fun. This has been an episode. This podcast was brought to you by Thoughtbot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, Raleigh, and Washington D.C., let's build something great together. <laughs>